0: Well, good afternoon.
1: We are here again with instigating women and friends and we're pleased to have our first guest um, ever of our uh, video blog here and um, we've been talking the last few weeks about the transition of women from the workforce and commented a little last week that frankly, it was disappointing that in January 2019, women finally made up a majority of the workforce and it should generally be even Stephen between men and women uh, to represent our population. And then in the last year, uh, we slid back to 1986 levels. So we lost 30 years or more in a period of one year. So very unfortunate, uh, lots of reasons for that. Um, And so Liz will be introducing to you today, um, a guest um, who's very special to her and certainly fits the mold of someone as a key expert we'd love to hear from today. So thank you for being with us, Um, Dr. Whitney. And Liz, if you'd tell us a little more, that'd be great. So uh,
2: Dr. Whitney Caceres is an author, a pediatrician, a podcaster, and a mom and somebody that I really look up to and love reading her advice. Um, She has a new book coming out um, called The Working Mom Blueprint, and I can't wait to read it because as a working mom, I feel like I'm constantly pulled in a million different directions. Um, So we've invited um, Dr. Whitney here today to talk to us a little bit about how we move forward from this place we're in of just starting to open back up, um, trying to figure out, okay, where do we go from here Um, in terms of navigating childcare, which is still very hard to come by, feeling like we need more flexibility, but not really knowing what that looks like or how to ask ask for it. And I think also I'd love to hear some tips from you about uh, how in the midst of all of this unpredictability, how do we put our own oxygen mask on first um, before we take care of all the other people in our midst? So welcome.
0: Thank you for having me. So happy to be here.
2: So I'm curious if you would just talk for a minute about the, the connection between this new book and how it relates to where we are in this moment in our community when, as Gwen said, women have truly borne the brunt of this pandemic and have exited the workforce in droves because of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I started writing the book with the American Academy of Pediatrics, that's who published it, well before the pandemic was even on the radar and it was all about this idea of how do we help moms to thrive because that will help kids thrive so trying to turn the narrative on its head rather than focus first on kids then kind of on moms and supporting them first moms then kids then the pandemic hit and i thought oh my goodness a lot of the items that are in this book, they won't be relevant during a pandemic, or maybe they won't even be relevant post-pandemic because who knows how the world is gonna change. Well, I was wrong. We decided to push out the publication of the book for a couple months and actually to write a special section in the beginning of the book that was specifically for the pandemic, specifically for what can you do within the pandemic to, retain your sense of self and also to cope with the burnout with the changes with the mass exodus that you talked about absolutely and then how can we carry the lessons from the pandemic forward into a post pandemic world and i think there are a lot of issues that we found over the past year that are completely out of our control that are always out of our control in life right but the pandemic brought that Closer to home. I think a lot of us felt like we had more control than we actually did in our lives. (laughs) And then the pandemic hit and we thought, whoa, actually we do not. Shocker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I could not control uh, the fact that I needed to take some time from my work so that I could support my child who has a severe anxiety disorder and was literally having, she's almost eight, was having urine accidents all over my floors and I had to replace my carpet um was having such a regression in her behavior that she was screaming and crying and like like pouncing on her sister and saying that like i don't want you alive anymore i mean like those are things that i thought i would never deal with past the toddler stage or very, very early stage. And they were just up in my face. And so I think for a lot of women who also had this experience where they found themselves without childcare, maybe pushed out of their work positions, out of their positions of leadership within their work, they really had to grapple with what are the things that are outside of my control and what are the things that are inside of my control? So within the book, I focus first and foremost on alignment and on prioritization and at putting yourself in the center of what i call kind of your centered vision for your life like when you look back 80 years from now on what your life looks like what parts and pieces will be included and that you have to be at the very very center of your life you have to know yourself and trust yourself enough and be kind enough to yourself to be able to keep that vision clear in your head every single day and to live according to your priorities, to the things that matter most to you and to keep yourself in alignment, to actually spend your time and energy on those priorities. So I think that's that's A number one. For women specifically who are now trying to find their footing within the workplace now, a couple of things that I think we have to do as we're more aware as a whole society that we actually do not exist we never did but now we're more aware as a society i guess that like it never existed where we had our home lives and our work lives and they were completely separate in fact we've always been whole people who show up at work and one really powerful thing that Mary Beth ferrante who is the ceo and founder of work 360 she's a senior forbes contributor was talking to me about the other day on my own podcast, the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast, was this idea of just open conversation with our colleagues and with our managers that there's going to be cultural change that comes kind of from above within organization. And for example, her group works on kind of educating larger organizations, but that really there has to also be change that comes from within. And that change from within, comes from those of us who are in some position of leadership or are, you know, middle level managers, if employees at kind of the lowest, for example, I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see me who are just listening, you know, levels of a corporation, that we all are more transparent about what is happening in our personal lives and in our work lives. And that we don't show up as Whitney Caceres, who is not a parent at work, that I show up fully as Whitney Caceres, who loves funk jazz music and who loves going on runs and who has two kids that she cares deeply about and who cares about her patients fully and about her committees that she's on fully at work, about all of those things. But the more that we silo the parts of our lives in our, in our casual conversations and in our business meetings with our colleagues, the more that we become less human and the more that we're not able to have empathy for each other and the more that culture doesn't continue to move forward. When Mary Beth does her training within organizations, I thought she was going to tell me that she talks the most to like the vice President and to the president of the companies. But in fact, she told me, no, we aim at the managers the managers are the people that were actually doing the training on what creates burnout for people, on what makes it so that people have more stress, on helping to have them use constructive criticism as opposed to negativity when they're coaching their their employees, on helping them to be advocates for, for moms who need to go back into the workplace and to pump, for example, or for moms or dads who are interested in having parental leave or in working with their organization in order to negotiate some type of way for them to take care of their kids on talking about their child care needs and on supporting the people below them in terms of child care needs so i think those are kind of the ways that we have to think about it's really that we at are the center of our circle and that that's that we're worthy of showing up in our workplaces and in our personal lives as whole people and then pairing with other people and then as organizations really training these managers and kind of mid-level managers and then of course organizations as a whole um to be more cognizant of this whole person approach
2: yeah that's really interesting you're making me think about how when you said that she focuses on the managers i was just having a conversation around this this morning about um our managers talking with their employees about what do you need this summer like what coming from a place of being curious and um not necessarily being able to promise everything that that person says that they would need in order to be able to balance but to show up being curious and so what i'm hearing is like the, the executive level needs to set the tone but then it's actually it's the frontline managers that have to manifest it and and allow people to bring their whole selves to um the workplace and it's the other thing you're making me think about is how different the rules are for men and women like i just look Mm -hmm. at my own situation with my husband who um just got into a really like his kind of biggest responsibility role he's ever had and he works really hard to pretend that he's not, you know, that on the other side of that door, there isn't, you know, a, a whole pack of kids and animals. And, you know, he tries to pretend that he's literally this is my one compartment and I don't have any others. Whereas for me with work, I've had to set the expectation, I, who knows what's going to happen? It's a free for all. I have to leave this meeting and go take my kid
0: to the bus. And so, how do we change that? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, I think that's a really important point. And I think it really is about men becoming allies along with us along the way. Um, have you either of you read Eve Rodsky's book, uh, Fair Play? Okay, so I love this book. This book is about, um, gamifying roles and responsibilities within a home for partners, for those who live within a partner relationship. And it can be any type of relationship, you know, heterosexual, whatever, doesn't matter. But it's basically about you hold the cards to certain areas in your family tasks or responsibilities that have to get done and you only have the cards that you hold as partners that actually hold value to you. So there are about a hundred cards that she has and then you kind of pick from this pile what you're going to take on and then you decide together as a couple if no one will take the cards that means they just don't happen. So these are things like, you know, buying gifts for other people within the household. These are things like, you know, going to birthday parties. These are things like taking care of the dog. These are the laundry. These are all the things. These are um, childcare, if there's a childcare emergency, who will be the person who gets called and leaves work? And that literally, if you're holding the card, you are the person responsible for this and i love this because it does two things one it makes it so that you don't have a bunch of things on your plate that are contaminators within your household right i talk about this all the time at lot mommy doc like there are a bunch of things in our lives the fifth committee someone wants to be wants you to be on at work the um you know lacrosse practice that your kid wants to go to or be a part of even though like he's already part of like eight other sports activities, right? Like you gotta take some things off the table. So that's a good thing. The second thing is that that person holding the cards, the way she talks about it is that that person is responsible for conception, planning and execution of that card. So just like within an organization, or a business, they are not relying on the other person saying like, "Hey, could you help me out with this? Could you show me how to do this? Could you look? Could you buy me like some salt? Because if I need to make like the cookies for the lunch for the bake-off, then that means I need you to buy the salt." They are fully responsible for it, and I do believe that when we change things in our individual household at that granular level, level that is what then helps it to be a more fair playing field for us, and does make it so that, man, of course, it's harder. It's harder for my husband too. When his boss, when he says like, I have to go to this counseling meeting for my daughter and I need like FEMLA time to be able to do it. I mean, he fought me like tooth and nail, fought our therapist for our daughter, tooth and nail to be able to figure out some other way to not have to approach his employer to ask for this time that he needed. But the reality was if he didn't do it that way. He was going to have to stay later to see patients or come in earlier and it would have taken away from our family peace and structure um but when he holds the cards it's like he takes on this like full responsibility and he doesn't hold the cards forever you switch them like every Mm -hmm. week you can switch them you can switch them within a day if you need to but it's just basically this like physical representation of i take responsibility for this and i value the other partner, that my partner would value me to say that my work that I do, that my paid work is just as valuable as my husband's paid work, and that my free time is just as valuable as my husband's free time, and that my contribution to our kids' well being is just as valuable as his contribution and that you know he doesn't get to do all the like just yard work as the only um (laughs) contribution not to be stereotypical but you know that that was what he would choose if we didn't do it as as cards so i think absolutely having men as our allies in our homes and also in the workplace um making it okay as a culture for men to be able to talk about these things when i um go and speak to larger organizations At first, I kind of conceptualized it as, I'll just go speak to all the moms. And what I found is, no, I need to speak to the dads too, so that it's normalized that they also have a framework and a way to put themselves and their families as an extension of themselves, kind of at the center of their work life circle.
2: That's really cool. The only part I don't like about that is where, it sounds like if I'm holding a card, then it's my card and I own it from start to finish, right? But I really like to micromanage my husband doing his stuff. So it sounds like if he has the card, then I can't come in and interrogate him about what he has and hasn't done or how he's done it. Am I, am I understanding that way? Right? Well,
0: actually, so you set, I mean, we can go into her book forever. You set a minimum, she's all about like the verbiage, right? She sets a minimum standard of care for each item. So like, for example, if my husband was responsible for making dinner, we set a minimum standard of care in our household that that needs to include a protein, a carbohydrate, and a fruit and vegetable. And then beyond that, it can be whatever. But it goes both ways. My husband likes to micromanage me on things too. So actually was happy that if I held the cards, <laughs> then he couldn't come at me about like how I organize the sock drawer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just let that go.
2: <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm curious, two more things. I know we are gonna run out of time here, but Um, I'm curious about when you think about your blueprint, um, do you have any stories kind of from your own experience as, as a mom and a professional struggling to manifest any, any pieces of the blueprint?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest piece is mindful self-compassion. That is the hardest. So for a long time, I was one of those people who is uber committed, like in all parts and kind of like all parts of my life. I kind of thought about it. Like if I just put in the hard work, then that means that the result will always be good or like 99% of the time it should be good. So that meant, you know, in that like non-growth mindset, then when I failed at something, then that means I didn't work hard enough. And I just gotta like double down on my efforts and I was really mean to myself. And that when I snapped at my kids or when I didn't do as good a job with a patient as I hoped that I would, or when someone said, hey, you know, you." you know, you kind of messed up on this committee thing. Like, I feel like the way you phrased that was not as helpful. And like, I want to offer you some criticism, helpful criticism, constructive criticism. But then I would take that internally and be this like very, very mean coach to myself. And so I think um, developing a sense of mindful self-compassion, which is Kristin Neff and Chris Germer's work, not my own, but this idea of kind of the same way we would with kids. understanding how I'm feeling, being okay with that feeling and, and kind of getting curious, like you said, same as like, we're getting curious about what our employees need. Um, getting curious about why I feel that way. Validating the feeling like it makes sense that I would be stressed right now that my kids are walking into this zoom meeting, and that I'm giving them a boundary and that they keep on opening the door and like saying, mom, 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 right. Um, and then having that common humanity of I bet I could fill a Coliseum full of working moms who are stressed about this Zoom meeting, who are really worried tonight about where they're gonna what they're gonna do about childcare come fall or in, in the summer months, how they're gonna handle summer camps, all those things. And then that pause allows me to not be as hard on myself, to have the time for reflection to get to the root of what is kind of that inner conflict that's happening for me. And then to come up with a responsive versus reactive problem solving approach, because I found that when I was really harsh on myself, I would either double down on the work or I would do something that actually wasn't as helpful to myself or to my kids or to my family. You know, I would either like flip my lid and kind of like exploded everybody and like, you know, or I would, you know, practice like self-care again, quote unquote, in a way that, um, Unhealthy, you know, let me eat 10 croissants as opposed to like, you know, have a nibble of one because, like, ah, I'm feeling bad about myself. Um, I would say, like, I need to get out of here on a Saturday when my kids are having a hard time, and like, I need to spend like eight hours by myself, right? Um, and when I learned that mindful self compassion, that it brought me back, that's what kind of keeps me centered, that's what keeps me able to make. that good decision making you know at work and at home and and to make me more intentional and more mindful throughout the
2: day yeah coaching around this is gwen's specialty she's she coaches me regularly on this gwen (laughs) what are some of the questions that you ask your clients when they're in that place of being like
1: heavy into the self-critic mode um it depends on the client honestly they're they're so varied And um, some you really can take that forward view and and have them look back. Um, Others need to take a broader worldview. And others need to really wrestle with that word we used at the beginning, control. Um, We fool ourselves always thinking we control a whole lot more than we do. And so then we find ourselves in these chaotic situations. And the first thing we want to do is try to put all these boundaries around to control it. and so, you know, I, I think my biggest question and all the blueprint work you've done is how do we look at those those women who are more diverse? Um, Liz and I struggle personally with this privilege. Um, uh-huh. And anyone you know walking through uh, this episode with us or seeing us on the screen would look at three white women uh-huh. who they might uh-huh. consider to be privileged. And, and so I wonder how can this blueprint and this conversation really help all of them understand they they might have choices and they might not have opportunities that, that we might take,
0: take for granted sometimes. Yeah, I mean, what a huge issue like in America, right? That we won't solve today, but that I do think, um, I do think a, it's important as, as white allies as as women who are not of color, um, who, you know, I don't come from a diverse background myself to recognize the privilege and to come alongside other women to be their advocate as well. Um, I think that the diversity, equity and inclusion groups that are now popping up, it's interesting to hear, you know, it's called like employee resource groups. And then now we're really shifting this conversation to more, we all deserve equity within an organization. And then I also think recognizing, um, I talk about this in the book, like 100%, I am so privileged and that there are so many things that life has handed to me as a result of having educated parents, as a result of my race, as a result of my parents' economic status as they raised me. I mean, my dad was a teacher. My mom was a, you know, um, entrepreneur herself. It's not like they're billionaires, but you know, they they had the wherewithal um, to be able to send me to experiences. And at the same time, um, you know, if I found myself feeling especially uh, lucky when I first got married and entered the workforce and was like bright and cheery, um, that I definitely remember a time and still have times where, um, I consider myself, um, very unlucky when I look at myself compared with other parents, you know, that when I, um, that sometimes I talk about this with, in, with my, even with my therapist about, gosh, it feels like sometimes I have these families who are like, they're like, a, in a little play fight and I'm like in the trenches in like a war <laughs> in my household, you know? And so I think it's not about, um, absence of struggle or the absence of hardship um, that makes it so that we're able to succeed and by succeed i mean like find that place where we can feel satisfied about how we spend our energy and time not like economic success or job success um every single person has their own story and in america of course we have done a number to put it lightly on a whole group of people who will be at a disadvantage, you know? Um, But we can all, as human beings, harness resilience. um, And we all, as human beings, can use the resources of the people who are around us, um, who are in our same position, or who are very, very interested in being empathetic and in helping. Um, And then I think a lot of it is about policy change um, within cultures and calling out our cultures when they are not being equitable to those who are less fortunate than us or who have struggles that we don't understand about learning about being the type of people who are interested in wondering what is it like to be in your shoes As opposed to saying like, oh yeah, I've been there too, you know. (laughs) Like being people who are interested, so that we fully understand each other as as humans, and then and then can be um, in alliance with each other. That
2: um, those last three sentences, I feel like you could extrapolate to answer the question: What can organizations do to support women trying to stay in the workplace?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I I have had so many conversations that have been like sidebar conversations, whereas I'm trying to grab was I, I was trying to grapple with my own childcare issues and, and um, pandemic related issues this past year, where the sidebar conversations that I've had have been around. Well, don't say that because that person might get kind of like offended or that will kind of be more of like a lifestyle thing, or that might be seen as kind of like, you know, we're taking like the mom route on this and, um, let's just be honest, that's how it is in every single organization. And, um, I'll say even this, cause I've said this on my podcast multiple times that, you know, when I was first breastfeeding that I remember someone asking me like, how long exactly do you need for this pumping session? And me coming back and saying like, listen buddy, here's the FEMWA paperwork that says exactly how much time I need. How much time I need is how much time I need. Are you kidding me? Um, And yes, I think culture change also happens from those of us who are women who are in any type of position of power within organizations, even if it will not affect me now what happens. I'm not having any more babies. Thank goodness. So I don't need a separate pumping space. I don't need time to clean my pump equipment. I'm not going to need those like early daycare years. Next year, my kids are going to be in the aftercare before and after school. I'm like so excited about like my, my freedom I'm going to have from my childcare responsibilities that I needed in the past couple of years. But there are women who are coming behind me who need me to stand up. I kind of consider myself like a mid-level manager, even though I'm not managing these other physicians, I'm still in a position of power above them to say at the meeting, to raise my hand and say, listen, this is everybody has different life stages. This is the way we support this person in their life stage. You're into like mountain biking and kayaking on your weekend. How can I support you? Awesome, absolutely. I want you to be a full person too. But guess what, for moms, This is what they need. And as physician leaders, as women in non-physician areas of business and corporations, it really is about women raising their hand and saying, I want what's best for the generations that come behind me. Um, My kids, when I look into their little eyes, the reason I love fair play is not because it's gonna like change every single thing within my relationship with my husband, but I hope it's because then it will model what I want them to see as the norm. And I think that's true in our businesses as well. I want to model for other women so that incrementally over time there's change, there's change, there's change. So that when someone looks back at what's happening in now, today, that they go, I can't believe it was that way. That's crazy. That's what I want, you know, for for women, and then of course um, for diverse populations as well. That we make incremental change to the point where people are looking back, you know, 20 years from now, even 10 years from now, hopefully, gosh, two years from now, and say, how is that acceptable? Gosh, we've come a long way.
2: Great. So that's that's inspiring, and it's a call to action, right, for all yeah. three of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It really is. So if there's one takeaway from the blueprint, what would you have Liz and I focus on as as we uh, exit today's conversation?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that moms can do for personal responsibility, because there's always policy change, there's organizational responsibility, managers in your relationship with your partner and your household, but then also you, is one, that mindful self-compassion, which there are lots of experts that can help you with. I think the second is just, coming to grips with and really making a commitment to this idea that when you do it all, there's no way that you can do anything well. And so when you outline, what are my top three or five, four priorities in my life that I want to give it my all on. And then you use that mindful self-compassion to be able to navigate between those and you kind of either let the rest go remove the contaminators in your life, delegate when you can, right, to your kids if they're old enough to chores, Um, if you have a partner using um, delegation that way, Um, and then setting boundaries for yourself so you don't get pulled into all of these heartstring conversations or tasks or obligations that maybe don't fit into your schema for that day, for that week, for that month, that you place them in in a spot that doesn't produce guilt, but is more for you. When you focus on doing a few things well and letting the other things kind of take their place to the edges and to the sides of your life, then you're able to really have that life that, that you're looking for—that more satisfied, centered, grounded place that's much less stressed, much less conflicted.
1: Thank you. So have to say no, thank you. Sometimes. <laughs> yes. No, thank you. Right.
0: Thank you. No, thank you. And I think the biggest thing about that for women, this will be like my last thing that I say is about this idea that um, for me, I'll speak for myself. I think this is true for women in general though, and especially women in the workplace. It's really hard to say no to something if I don't have something that I'm saying yes to instead that is more important. And the thing I'm saying yes to can sometimes be, um, I'm gonna say yes to me not having anxiety today. So I'm gonna say no to that extra commitment because I know that I need to have less anxiety today. So I'm saying yes to my mental health. Or I'm gonna say no to, to being asked to stay and work late on something on this specific, specific day, because or are taking on this specific project, because I know that that's going to give me more time with my kids. Or I'm going to say no to maybe like the lesser project, because that's going to get me to the project that I actually do care about. And I can give my project, my, my talents and my skills to within this organization. Right. So it's not always like a home versus work thing. It can be also within your organizational structure or within your skill set, but. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we can identify, what are the things in our life that we wanna say yes to? It makes it so much easier to say no to all the fluff. That's, great. Oh, that's so
2: true. I'm saying no to that because I'm saying yes to me. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. I,
0: I, that's, I'm taking that. I'm taking that <laughs> right, in this conversation. We'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we're all a work in progress. I am too, you know. Um, and and I think that's the thing about the blueprint. It's really, it's not like a health and wealth and prosperity gospel of like every day you're gonna feel amazing and like be in your happy spot. Nobody is that way, right? Like that's just like pack of lies. Anyone who tries to sell you that, yeah, I, I think I think about it more like having a north star. So more just like when things get out of whack or when we are feeling stretched and stretched too thin, burnout, um, overwhelmed, we're juggling everything, but it feels like the plates are all about to fall all the time, or inside we feel like we're pretty empty. Um, Just how to come back to to that North Star. I love that.
2: Thank you. It's been great being with you too today. Yeah, great to be with you too. Thank you so much.